Today's daf is daf Chav Dalet. We are holding the last line of Chav Gimel Amid Beis. We left off yesterday with a machlokas between the Chachamim and Rabbi Meir, whether it is possible to give an Eved money with some type of mechanism, some type of stipulation that he should be able to use it for his redemption and not automatically have the money transferred to the Odon. You can only use it for a pidyon if it's going to be a transaction. In order for it to be a transaction, it has to be money that does not automatically belong to the Odon. If it automatically belongs to the Odon, it can't be used as a transaction. So Rav Meir says no mechanism exists and no stipulation exists that will stop the money from once it enters into the domain of the Evet from automatically transferring to the Odon. So therefore, money always has to be done by the third party. It cannot be gifted or given in, with any type of mechanism to the Evet. It won't work. The Chachamim disagreed. The Chachamim, just depending on the Ambatim from Amorayim, held that there was a mechanism that you could give money to the Evet and you could say, according to everybody the, in, in, in the Shita of, 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 of the Chachamim, you could say, I'll Enough that you should only use it for pidyon. So according to the Chacham, if you say that, the me- that mechanism, it doesn't automatically transfer over to the Odin, because the Evid himself doesn't have it only for the use of pidyon. Therefore, it would be functional, it can work for the Evid to use that money to redeem himself. Now, the Gemara had tangentially also said, the Chorah, the same Achlokas would exist by an Isha. Because the same way as we have a din of Mashakana Evet Kana Rabo, there also is a din of Mashakana Isha Kana Balo. So Lachora, whatever machlokas there is, whether you can make such a mechanism for the Evet to have it independently of the Adon, Lachora would also be an Indian, would be the same idea would exist whether an Isha could be gifted or given the money from a third party. Uh, in almanas uh, uh, that the husband that uh, does not have it. It would seem to be the same, the Gemara seemed to align with the same achlokas. So the Gemara has a question over here. Gemara says, Rami Drabmeir, Drabmeir, Rami Drabonon, Drabonon. We have a, uh, a brysa that, co- that we're going to quote in a moment, and the opinions seem to be flipped. What we just said now by Eved Knani, by Rav Meir, that there no, no mechanism exists that he should be owning it independently, is, and, and the Korinth HaChomim hold that you can, we're going to see that there seems to be exactly the opposite in what they hold in the upcoming Brysa. Now just as a background for the upcoming Brysa, we need to understand that there is a din of Pidyan Meisr Shani. There is a din that when a, a farmer harvests his, uh, his produce in Eretz Yisrael, so the first 2% goes to the Kohen, the second uh, uh, tithing is to 10% of what's left goes to the Levi, and on, in uh, certain years, there's a second time that he has to take another 10%, and that's called Meiser Shani. And that second tithing of Meiser Shani, that is taken and eaten in Yerushalayim. The Torah understands that there could be teal, dealing with a tremendous amount of produce to have to schlep Yerushalayim, so it allows for Pidyon. Pidyon Meiser Shani is that you could be poda the money 
uh, you could re- uh, redeem, remove the, con- the, the sanctity from the miser Shani itself, put it onto the money, take the money, and go up to Yerushalayim, and then purchase uh, the equivalents, certain type of edible items, and eat it in Yerushalayim. However, the Torah says something fascinating. If you are the owner of the miser Shani, and you are the one who is redeeming it for yourself, then you have to pay a surcharge of a fifth. It's actually a quarter, so 25%, but it's a, when you add the quarter to the total amount, it comes out being a fifth. That's how the Chazal discuss. When they talk about Chomesh, it's a Chomesh um, uh, that, that's, that's a fifth of the total amount, which is a quarter. Okay, not for now. But the point is, you have to add that surcharge. If you are doing it as a favor for someone else. Right? Right? Uh, Gene has asked me, take the Miser Shaney. I have Miser Shaney. I don't know what to do with it. He says, you know what, Gene? I'll, re- I'll redeem it. I'll use my money to redeem it and take it to Shalayim. Then if so- you're doing it for someone else. You don't have to pay the surcharge. You only pay the face value. You don't pay the surcharge. That's the din. So says the, the, uh, the, the Brysa. Look at this Brysa. It says, Nisanya. According to one opinion, the Tanakama, which you leave the Chachamim, Ein Isha Podemizer Sheni below Chomesh, that a woman, a wife, cannot redeem the Miser Sheni without paying the fifth. Rab Shimon Melazar Omer Mishum Rabbi Meir, Isha Podemizer Sheni below Chomesh. No, that a wife was doing it does have to pay the fifth. Now, what's the scenario over here? Who's money? Who's Miser Shani? We have a machlokas where the woman has to pay the surcharge of fifth, but let's understand the case. Once we clarify the case, then we're going to see the contradiction to what we learned yesterday. So, hechidami. Let's say that nothing out of her pocket and at the produce, meaning she is just functioning as an agent of the husband. So she is saying, I'm, I'm going to Israel now. So you want I'll, your money, I'll be poted with your money, your miser sheni, and I, I, I'm going to Yerushalayim, I'll take it up to Yerushalayim, and I will buy the food over there. So Lechora, under that circumstance, which is just functioning as an agent of the husband, everybody should agree that what? That there should be a surcharge. It's no different than the husband doing it himself. So that can't be the machlokus. She's just performing the agency for the husband. So therefore, for sure, there's a food. So that can't be where there's a machlokus. Ella bezuzei dido. Maybe the case is talking about, let's say she had inherited money and she has money that fell to her before she got married. So that money is not under the jurisdiction of the husband. The husband does not own it. It's her own private money. So in such a case, though, she's saying to the husband, I'll do you a favor, and your extra Miser Shani, you don't feel like schlepping to a shalom, I will use my own private bank account to redeem that money. So Lechora, in that case, everybody should agree that what? There should be no fifth in that case. Lechora, and I'm going to read it the way Rashi reads it, because the Gemara doesn't read so well. Tosus actually changes, I think, the Girsa. But let's take a look. The Gemara says, Lechora, Ella, if it's Buzuze Dida, if it's her money, Umaiser Diday, and it was. Here's my Zashani, Ish Amarachman of Isha. That in that case, the Torah says the man pays the fifth, but not his wife. Rashi learns it, even if it's his wife, 
But Lamaise, if it's her money, she's no different than anybody else doing the guy a favor, even if it's the wife, since it's her money. So then obviously, what's the din over there? In that case, there should not be a fifth. So then what's the machlokas? El alav, the only way we could have the machlokas is they're arguing about, that's not the case. The case was, somebody gave the woman money with a mechanism, I'm giving this money to go help your husband to redeem the Maishashani, but I want you to do it, that it should be you doing it and not him doing it. The question is, does that mechanism work? That was the Machlokas we had yesterday. Do we say, as soon as the money's been given to her, automatically it belongs to the husband, and therefore no matter what stipulation was built in, it's considered like the husband's money, and under that circumstance, what? You would have to pay the fifth. Or do we say, no, you can say, it's yours to be poda. Yours to be poda that stops it from belonging to the husband therefore it's considered like she's an acher like she's someone else doing it in that case there'll be no fifth now that would be a a great way of explaining the machlokas it works very nicely in explaining the machlokas the problem is the sides of the machlokas now come up problematic because then it comes out Rav Meir says that in such a case there's no fifth means the mechanism works the Tanakama who's the Chachomim saying in in that case that the mechanism still doesn't work that you have to pay the fifth it's exactly the opposite by what we had by Evid Kanani by Evid Kanani Rav Meir says the mechanism doesn't work the Chachomim says it does so we have a steel in whether such a condition works because such a condition does not work, L'chorah comes at exactly the opposite sheet as what we learned yesterday. So Gemara says like this, El Elav, is it not Ki'ai Gavna? It's our circumstance. Ta'akni le'acher, that a third person, a third party came along and was makna, wanted to transfer the woman, mana, the hundred dollars, v'amar lo, al-menat shetifti bo, I'm not giving it to you unequivocally. I'm giving it to you with a specific intent that you should use it to do pidyon. The Ibchash Ma'ana. And now it comes out exactly the opposite in the Sheetahs. So what are you going to do? Ibchash Ma'ana lahu. It's opposite. So I'm Rabbiah. Abayah says, listen, you know what? If it comes out difficult in the Sheetahs, Abayah, we find out throughout Shaz, he has no problem with switching things around. So he says, okay, then switch it around. Say that it was Rahmeir says, you have to pay the Chomesh. And it was the Chachamim say, you don't. And this way, what we said by Isha will align with what we said by Evet Kanani. And we have no problems over here. So therefore, Amrabaya Epoch, switch it around. Rava very often disagrees with Abai. He says, I don't like that arbitrarily. Yeah, I just switch it around. I don't do that. We can have a say a shot. It's much better to say the shot. So Rava comes out with a Lomdeshevort. Now listen carefully. I'm going to explain it outside. And then we'll see it inside uh, in a moment. But Rava is going to say, this actually, what this machlokus over here by an Isha is an independent machlokus. It's based on other variables. So there, it's not going to be a contradiction to what we learned before. Now, let me explain it to you. It could be like this. It could be, according to, it's not talking about a situation where a stipulation was made. Stipulation was made, according to Racham, it's a binding stipulation. According to Rav Meir, that stipulation doesn't work. So what's the machlokus over here by the Maishasheni? Why does Rav Meir say there's no chomish, which implies that it does, it does not belong to the husband. It's considered like an outsider doing it. Whereas according to the Rachamim say that that there is. So it says it's really based on a different machlokus. There is a machlokus in understanding the very essence of Maiser Sheni. What is the status of Maiser Sheni? The Rachamim shita is that Maiser Sheni is owned by the Balabos. Meaning the farmer owns his own, he can makadish an isha with it. You can makadish an isha saying, I have my sashani, it's worth $10,000, I'm being makadish you with it. The only problem is, if you want to eat it, 
You have to go in your shalim. But who owns the Miser Shani? The farmer, the owner, the balabas owns the Miser Shani. Rav Meir disagrees. He says Miser Shani is Momen Gavoa. Miser Shani is something that belongs to, it belongs to, it, it's in the realm of the Beis Amnigdash. It's the realm, it's Momen Hegdish. There's the person who happens to have the, 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 uh, the, the benefit of having Miser Shani. The Torah gives him the right to eat it if he takes it to Yerushalayim. But you can't be Makadish and Isha with it because you don't actually own it. That's the, uh, so says the Gemara, that's the machlokas here by Maizah Shani. We're talking about a situation where a woman dies, uh, where a, a woman's father dies, the father-in-law of the husband dies, and he had Maizah Shani in his possession. Now, mid-Durabonon, one of the dinim Durabonon, is that if a woman gets something by Yerusha, the husband will yarshin what she has by Yerusha for, for Nixim Alug. Miyanti has usufructory rights. He has rights over what he inherits from her. He has rights what he inherits from her. And uh, to be able to use it, Nixim Alug is like, like when you, uh, you can pluck, you can use the pluckings of the chicken. He can't actually use the principle, principle but he has the right, the usufructory rights of it. Now you have a situation over here. Maisa Shane, he fell from the father. From the father. According to Rav Meir, the, fa- the, the, the husband doesn't own the Maizah Shani. Because the Maizah Shani is not really owned. It's mom and Gavoa. Since it's not considered really owned, so therefore, when, it, when the wife is poda it, even if she's poda with the husband's money, but the Maizah, it's not the husband's Maizah Shani that's being nifda. Since it's not the husband's mind change being nifta because it was coming from the father-in-law and he doesn't inherit it, so because it's really it's mom and gavo, it's not his own, so therefore on that you don't have to pay the chomish. That's why Rav Meir holds there is no chomish over there. The chachamim shita is that that Shani is really owned. And therefore if Shani is owned by the Bailim, then as the natural byproduct of the Rabbana Dikadin, that he yarshins and he has a right to use it, therefore it really is considered to be the... Husbands. So therefore, when the woman uses the husband's money to be poda it, what's going to be the din? You have to pay the chomish. That's the machlokas. It's got nothing to do with the machlokas that we learned whether a stipulation was made or whether it's binding. It's a separate machlokas in whether or not Maizah Shani is considered mom and gavo or not. That's the machlokas. Yeah, let's see it inside. How can there ever be Maizah Shani? How can there ever be a chomish? What's that? How can there ever be a chomish when you're a man? Never on it. It's always... No, no, but, if, it, it, but no, but if, 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 because the Torah says if it was your, if you were the one so who farmed it, if you farmed it and you harvested it, and was it on that that you yourself are redeeming, so therefore to, redeem, to remove your chiv that you have, then you have to pay the chomish. But if it's somebody else's, it came through someone else, I don't have to pay for it. All right, the chomish, anyway. So let's see what it's inside. So the Igmara says like this. So, uh... Rava Amar Olam Don't switch around the sheet. Just leave it the way it is. Chachamim say that there. Chachamim say that there is a chomish. Rav Meir says there's no chomish, but it's a different machlokus here. Vahachav a meiser. We told about the meiser sheni, the osra that came as a Yerusha bein nasha from the father, from the father of the wife. That's what we're dealing with. Rav Meir letamei. Rav Meir is going l'shitoso. The Amar that he says later on, meiser is momen hegdishu. But like Kani Lebal, and therefore the husband doesn't really own it, the Yerusha. And therefore, it, when the husband is giving the wife the money to be put to Egdushalayim, it's considered like he's doing somebody else's Maizah Shani. So therefore what? 
no chomish. They hold that it's considered mom and hedge. It's not mom and gavo. It's whoever it it, 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 it it is owned, and therefore he husband actually arshins it. He's using his money to pay for He has to pay the chomish. The If the husband owns it, he'll actually chuzer the bal ka'avdo. It's considered she's an agent of the husband, using the husband's money to be bought the husband's rights over this. Uh, the use of fruit to rights over this, he has to pay the chomish, and, uh, and, um, and, and therefore the chomish has to be paid, and that's going according to the chachom. There is a contradiction, a steer in Rashi's, yeah, I'm not going to get into it about whether not, we look at Nixon will look like it's owned by the husband or not. He seems to contradict himself. I don't want to get into that right now. And the kuz is not the money here, it's the ownership of the fruits. Well, it has to be the husband's money. It's, money, it's the husband's no, money. Yeah. No, no. The husband's using his money. The Shiloh the husband owns the Maisa Shame. Right. Tana, we learned in a Brysa. Now, our Mishnah just said that how does an Evid go free? Our Mishnah says an Evid goes free with Kesav Ali Atzmo or Beshtar Ali Cherim, right? But it never mentioned, which the Brysa mentions, is there's another way an Evid goes free. An Evid goes free, an Evid Knani, Beshain Va'ayin. That if you knock out his tooth or you blind, or you knock out his eye, uh, or or anything that is similar to that, so the Evarim uh, uh, organs or limbs that are similar to Shain Va'ayin, that's another way of him going free. So the Rishonim deal with, so why did our Mishnah give that as one of the examples? It's interesting, tells us that the so Toza says, because it could be Shane Va'ain, it's not so clear. Some say that even when you go out with Shane Va'ain, you still need a Shtar Shikhr. In our Mishnah, we're talking about things that you don't need to still have a Shtar Shikhr. When you do the Kesav, you start, you don't need another Shtar Shikhr, Toza seems to imply. But these things you do, say if it's not listed. I would think it's just much more Pashat. Our Mishnah, I think we said, is only talking about things that apply by Karka. I think we learned in the years that the only thing about Karga, Shane Vahin doesn't apply by Karga, it's not listed. That's why, that's why I never said Khalifa. That's why it doesn't say Shane Vahin either. Anyway, but uh, it does, doesn't give that answer. All right, so it says in order like this. Um, so, Tana Yotzev Shane Vahin. The Bryce does include that he goes out with Shane Vahin and Roshe Vorim and the tips of limbs, Shainem Chosrim, which are, once the damage occurs, they are not replaceable. They're, they they completely lose their function. They, 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 they don't, they, it's not temporary, it's permanent. Now, Bishlom is Shane Vahin Ksivi. Now, Shane Vahin is actually written in the Torah. The Torah says, the Ferish, if you knock out a Shane or you, you blind an eye, the Evid Knani goes free. Ella Roshe Vorim and Olin. How do you know the other din that the other uh, the tips of limbs that you that that if you, you you cause a permanent damage to right there's the fingers and the toes and by a zacher is the rosha aver how do you know those items that if you cause a damage to them that the evid would go free so Gemara says Gemara says minalan so initially wants to say it's a mamatzinu mamatzinu is that you have a binyanav the Torah gave you the example. If to learn from, and you use that as the prototype to apply to other other cases as well. Ma shein va'ayin, because what is unique about shein va'ayin? That's mumin shebegoloi. They are blemishes that are visible. You can notice. Person smiles. You notice the teeth is gone. He opens his eyes. You see that the eye is gone. So therefore, these are items that you can see the damage. They're exhibit. and chosen, and they're permanent. Av kol mumin shebegoloi. So too, all other. 
types of similar dam- damages or blemishes, it'll be permanent, so therefore will also be included in the din of Shein Va'ayin. So says the Gemara, one second, if you're telling me that it's a Binyan Av, it's a Mamat Sinu, I'm going to have a problem with that, because we have a rule that a Binyan Av, if you have the Torah writes it in one place, so then you can apply it to others. But if the Torah wrote it in two places, the Din, so then in such a case, the Torah is telling you, don't use this as a mamatzino. That's why I'm Dafka writing in both places. I'm not writing it only one. It's specific to do these two areas and not to everywhere else. So, let's say that it's considered like two psukim that are teaching us the same halacha and the rule is anytime you have two psukim teaching us the same you cannot apply it as a binyan av to everywhere else. The way to refute that is to show that it's considered to be a binyan av a bamishnek suvin. What does it mean a binyan av a bamishnek suvin? It means that each one is telling you information that you wouldn't have been able to learn from the other one. It's true. You could have just written Shane, and I would have known Ein from it. I could have written Ein, I would have known Shane from it. Then you have a shaila. Shnei suvin, the Torah is written, Shnei suvin, abayin ka'achara, teaching us the same aloha in malamdin. But I'm going to show you that it's not Shnei suvin, abayin ka'achara, that I needed to write both sukim. If I have to write both so then it's considered a binyan ava bamishnake suva, and you can apply it to everywhere else. Now, what is it you can learn from Shane? You wouldn't apply from Ayin, from Ayin, you can't learn from Shane. Let's see. Sricha, it's necessary. The ikos of Rachmana Shane. The Torah just said you knock out a tooth. Even a tooth that the child uses for nursing, which means a baby tooth. How would I know if it only wrote if you knock out a tooth, so you could knock out any tooth, even the baby teeth, if it, you knock out of a little evid, you knocked out the tooth, the evid would go free. How do I know that that doesn't count? Because that's not considered to be permanent, because the tooth is uh, regenerates, comes back, not really regeneration, but there is a tooth that replaces it. So, Lechaira, Kazav Rachmona, Ayin, because Ayin teaches us it's not something that can re- that, that comes back. It's something that has to be permanent. I, so why not Ayin and learn out tooth from Ayin? Because Rachmona, Ayin, Hava Amina, Ma Ayin, Shenivra, Ima, would have said, you know, a, a, a person is born with an eye. But a permanent tooth you're not born with. So maybe only those things that you're born with are considered in the parsha of an evid going free. Shane, which you're not born with, I would have learned maybe taka. You don't go free. So the Torah had to write Shane and Ayn. Ayn is the gala, the Shane that has to be a permanent tooth. And Shane is Megala that it does not have to be something that you are born with. Between the two, you can apply to all other Rosh Evarim that have both qualifications. A, that it's permanent. It doesn't have to be something you're born with, but it's visible and it's permanent. That's what you learn out, and you can apply it to all other Rashi Varim. That's how we learn out the Binyanav applies to everywhere else. So therefore, I would have thought it might be only I that you're born with. I mean, including only those things you're born with. I was shamed by the permanent tooth, lie which you're not born with. That's why you have to write, shame for I. Frag the Gemara, Lechor, if you look at the Pasuk, there is a reason to say that it doesn't follow the rule of Binyan Av. Because we have in the rules of the Yud Gimel Midosh, our Torah addresses by hand, one is called a Klal Uprat. 
where you have a general statement that is then limited by a specific statement, the rule is that you only identify in the general rule specifically what was in the prat. And in this case, it says, let's say, kiyaka, when you're damaged, claw, that's mashma, anything you damage. But then the Pazik says, shein v'ayin, which is a prat, which is a specific. But klal prat, and when you have a specific klal prat, what's the rule? Ain v'chlal, that you can only apply the general rule, el mashma prat, to that which was written specifically, only. Shane v'ayin in specifically, but midi achrini lo. So that takes away from it being a binyan av. It's a klal prat, and if it's a klal prat, it's only those two avarim and nothing else. So Gemara says no, because the pasuk continues lechav shi yeshalcheno. Lechav shi yeshalcheno is a rebo, is a is a, is a klal. It's chazer v'kolal. It goes back to being another klal. And therefore, it's not just a klal prat; it's a klal prat. Uchlal. And what's the rule of a klal prat? It's ka'ena prat, which opens it up to everything that has a similar characteristics to the prat. Chazar v'cholal. Klal prat uchlal. Iyat adan ela ka'ena prat. You judge it, you, you learn out from it anything that's similar to the prat. Ma prat mefurish mum shebegal of enam chosrim. Those that are visible, those the damages which would be visible and they're permanent. Ah, so too. Kol mum shebegal of enam chosrim. Those two, those things which will be uh, visible and will not, and will be permanent. Frank the Gemara, ah, yes, it's true. It's Klal Prat But how do you know to define it, Ke'ena Prat, in the way that you're saying? Maybe there's other characteristics that are shared by Shane Va'ain, which would limit then the application of this Klal Prat For example, Ima Prat Mufurish Mumin Shebegoloi Uvatol Mimalachto. It damages a Shane and Ayn when they are destroyed. They lose their function, functionability. There's a function that's lost. The eye can no longer see. The tooth can no longer chew. So it should come out, if you're going to be saying ka'ena prat, not only does it have to be permanent, not only does it have to be visible, but there should be another characteristic that Shane Va'ain should apply. Functionability. It has to be something that it's a damn, is it true? Functionality. functionality. That it has to be a, it has to be something that loses functionality. And therefore a limb that might only only be cosmetic in nature, but not functional, should not be the reason why an evid would go out. And we're going to see that that's not the halacha. So, the prat includes things that are visible, and they cause a lack of function when they're missing. And it's not and it's permanent. I've called mumin to only include those type of damages, those blemishes. Shabegolu that'll be visible. Vainachoser and are permanent. Ubatamimalachto and there's a looks there's a loss of functionality. So alama time. So why is it we learned in the brayzer not like that? The brayzer says talas bezikno that if you went over to the evet and you gave a good yank on his beard, right? You pulled his beard. And you pulled out one of the bones that the beard was attached to. And Raj explains it was in a way that it's not able to put back. And that what's going to happen is it's going to wither and die and, 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 uh, and, and it's no, it's permanent. Now the bone. Now the bone. Now the point that Raji says is that this is considered to be, it is permanent. It's visible. But it doesn't really have a necessary, it's cosmetic in nature. It's not functional. So therefore, but what is the Bryce rule? Eved Yotzebahem Lecherus. 
The Ebed does go out lecheres lechora. That's a kasha because if you tell him it's a klal pratu klal now, then then it should come out that in that case the Ebed should not go free because one of the kaina prat would be that it has to be a loss of function and there is no loss of function. Answers the Gemara that this brisa. That this Bryce is not following the rule of Klal Pratu Klal, but it's following the rule of Ribui Miut Ribui. Remember, we had this a number of times in Shas already. By the way, today is the 1334th Daf in Shas, if you're keeping count. So anyway, so therefore, that, 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 uh, the, the, uh, the, the, there is a method that's, uh, Tana, uh, that doesn't go like, uh, uh, Tana I think it's Rabbi Yossi Aglili, that learns out, not Klal Pratu Klal, but Ribui Miut Ribui. Now, it's using the same words, but what happens when you do it as a Ribui Miut Ribui, it actually is much more broader. It includes many more cases, and the miut is only there to exclude one characteristic or one situation. It's not inclu- excluding everything that's ka'ena prat. It's only re- it's memayat, only like one scenario. So therefore, if you learn it's a ribu miut ribu, so we're learning, then you can say that you can even include the case of where there's no yeah. loss of function because it's much broader in terms of what is being included and what and much more limited as to what's being excluded and that's the Gemara answers so says the Gemara is that um, uh, uh, where's the place uh, that this Tana understands as ribuyahu as a ribuy it's a ribuy miut ribuy and therefore that's, that's, it's much more broader. So, Frank the Gemara, Iribuyahu, Afilu Hiko al, al Yodov, it's Samsa, Vesova Lach. So, then it should include, what happens if you damage some, an Evan, and you, you, you hit him on the, on the hand, and his hand withers, but it's only a temporary, uh, situation. Eventually, the hand will come back, to its full strength, its full vitality. So it should still be Yotzelecherus, because the Chorah, once you're being marble, all situations, how do you know that permanence is a characteristic required for that? Also, in such a case, the Evid should go free. So, so why is it that we learned that he called Yodo, that if you hit him on his hand, but some saw and it withers, it's so velocity, but it's going to be returning to its original uh, uh, vitality. So, Morris says, because that, because I, I know that, because Imkain Shane Vain Maya Honeyle, then what are you using Shane Vain for? If you tell me that, even if you tell me it's a Rebu Mute and it's much broader, but Shane Va'ayin have to be excluding something other than Shane Va'ayin. So what else is inclu- excluding? So at least, in the very least, you're learning out the similarity of Shane Va'ayin to exclude scenarios that what? That are not permanent. It has to be permanent. So therefore, permanence is a requirement. Functional is not necessarily a requirement. If you use the Rebuimut Rebuim, you only have to exclude one scenario. One scenario you exclude if it's not permanent. But not functional is not being excluded. If you use the Klaal Prat it could be that it would have to be not only that it's permanent, but also it would have to be only those things that are also a loss of functionality. Weiter. Tanara Bona. Bekulam Eved Yotzeben Lecherus Betzarech Get Shechor Diver Rab Shimon. Rab Shimon, this Tosus boy mentioned before, Rab Shimon all that 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 all of the Chavdalad Evarim, it's true that you go free, but it's not an automatic freedom. You still need 
I get Shechra. means once you go to Basin, Basin decide, okay, this was a case of Chavdalad Evarim, you still need a get Shechra. That's Rav Shimon's Shita. Rav Meir Omer Einotzach. Meir says, no. Once it's been determined that this is a situation of a Chavshi Yishal you're free without needing a get Shechra. Rav Lazar Omer Tzarech. Rav Lazar agrees with Rav Shimon, he says, uh, with uh, Rav, Rav Shimon, and he holds that you need a get Shechra. Rabbi Tarfan Omer Einotzach. Rabbi Tarfan says you don't need it. Rabbi Akiva Omer Tzarech. Rabbi Akiva says you do need it. So we have a machlokzi amongst the different Tanoyim, whether you need a get Shechra after Chavdal Levarim or not. Now, the Machriyam Lifnei Chachomim. To be Machriya is the saying is, I'm not taking your side completely. I'm not taking your side completely. I am... Sure. Making up sorry. What's the word for that in English? Uh, compromising. The ones who make the compromise between the opinions of the Chachomim, they said what makes sense is like this. If it's actually Shein Va'ayin... On that, you don't need a get shikru. If it's the other chavdalid rashi evarim, on that you do. That's what they wanted to say. We'll see why. So achrim levnechacham omrim nirin diver Rabbi Tarfun. Rabbi Tarfun, who says you don't need, you don't need a get shikru. That's nirin. It appears he's correct in the case of Shane va'ayin. Why? Shatora zochzalok, because the Torah gave him the freedom. The Torah is what they, uh, attributed freedom to him. But diver Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says you need. A get shichrur. That's v'sharei varim. That and that's by the sharei varim. That's the other limbs. Hoyel the knas chachamim who. That's because that's a rabbinical penalty. So Morris says, what do you mean? It's a rabbinical penalty. Knas chachamim who. We just had either riboy miot riboy a cloud brought to cloud. But these are you'd give a midrashah Torah drashes by him. That's not knas chachamim. So therefore, yichar. What do you mean? It's only a knas chachamim. So Morris says, the chayro when we knas chachamim who kroy kadar shinan. We need psukim for that. Ella says the Gemara hoel umedrash chachamim who. Since it's only derived through the. Uh, through our, a, 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 the explication of the psukim, it's not beferish in the pasuk. Therefore, you still need a get shichur for it. Now, Rabbeinu Tam says, I still don't understand that. The chorus, since when do we say that a medrash chachamim, something that's learned through a drasha, should have any less power than something that's written explicitly? If shein va'ayin is written explicitly and you don't need a get shichur, then the chav dalid avarim it's learned through, learned through a klal prat klal the riba vidrumi also should not need it. Rabbeinu Tam is a very strong strong kasha. We don't say that because it's a medrash chachamim that means it's, it's not a dayra. It's still a dayra. So it should have the same dinim. So he says a svara. He says that since things that are a fairish in the Torah, people know. So Shein Va'ayin, everybody knows. You don't need to get Shechor for that. He says, the other ones, which only turn the Drosha, not everybody knows the Drosha. So the owner might come back and claim back his Evet. He might want his Evet. To stop that from happening, even though Minat Torah really, the Evet has gone free. However, we make him write a get Shechor just to stop him from being able to come, because since it's only a medrash chachamim that he might not be aware of, so really, in a Torah, you don't need it for either. That's how Rabbeinu Tam learns. But I think it's the Rivo. Others say, they say a different shot. I think Rashi seems to hold of this as well. He says like this, since you learn out the other chavdalet evorim, you're learning out from the words, lechovshi yeshal chenu. Means the shein va'ayin is the feirish, go free, and then the riboy for the other ones are coming from the shchavshi yeshal chenot from the words the shchavshi yeshal chenot. So that's why those are learning out from words that says yeshal chenot. You have to set him out free with a get shichur. 
That's how the, uh, the I think the Rivar says, I think it's the Rivar in Taisvis who says it. Anyway, let's go by. Well, this is Rashi says it's not for financial, it's just to allow him to marry a Jew. Why would you need to get Chitra? Not for financial reasons. Just like here, okay, that's always that way. It's the the Isser. There's a Kenyan. There's a Kenyan mom and there's a Kenyan Isser. So get Shikh. But the Shailas doesn't do both. The Torah was matter both. So the Torah is matter. You say it's but in other cases it's matter both. So yours should be too. But no. So whatever. That's 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 the machlok. So says the Gemara as follows. My time is Rav Shimon. Why does Rav Shimon hold you need a get Shikh? Chorah, Torah says he goes free. Why does it, why does Rav Shimon say you need to get Shikhr? So Gemara says, Yaliv Shiluch Shiluch Mi Isha. Because Evet, the Evet Knani is learned out from Isha in terms of it says Shiluch sending her free by the Isha and Shiluch sending her free by the Evet. And just as by the Isha you need a document of Shikhr, you need a get. So here too, even if the Evet, you're compelled to let him free, he doesn't go complete free. Like I'm Chaim saying this way in order to get married, whatever it is, you still need that document to let him free. That explains Ra, even even by Shen Ayn of Shimon says it. Now, what about Rav Meir? Rav Meir says of He says He says as follows: If it would have been the Torah says Shen Ayn and it would have said lechavshi. Uh, it would have said the Yatsachinam Lachavshi, so it means you see that uh uh that 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 uh the uh that that uh, that that, that, that only after that means you still have to be set free. He get you hate him shame and he goes out free and you have to lachavshi you still have to set him free. Then I would have said Enachinami that even after Shane Vain, Shane Vain is only the manifestation of what makes you have to set him free, but you still have to set him free. Chavshi, you still have to set him free by giving him a star. But it doesn't say that. It says Vayatsa What's that? That's the positive. If it would have said it would have said uh, 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 what's the positive? So it would have said Yishalcheno Chavshi. If it would have said Yishalcheno Chavshi, meaning that he only becomes free after the Yishalcheno. You have to set him, uh, send him away, and then he becomes free. So you see, it's not the act of the chain of iron that made him free. It's the act of sending him away that made him free. So then I would agree with you. You have to send him away with a get, and then he becomes free. But that's not how the Torah wrote it. The Torah wrote, He becomes free, and then you have to send him away. It means the act of chain of iron itself is what set him free. And therefore, he becomes free, and then you you have to send him away but you don't need to make him free through the sending away it's the shame of Ayn that made him free therefore I hold you don't need to write a get shikhr so says Akmen Rav Meir says of it would have said then that only the sending him free with the get is what makes him free like you're saying but but now that it said he is already free and then you have to send him away you don't need to have a get already from the shame of Ayn is what set him free? He does not need a, a get shikhr. Tanra bonon. He call al eno. If you hit him directly on the eye, v'sama al ozna. You hit him on the ear. V'sama. So you hit him on the eye. V'sama. You made him blind. Al ozna. You hit him on the ear. V'charsh. And you made him deaf. So Eved Yosef and Lecheres. Those are the cases of of Shein Va'ayin and 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 the Chavdal Rashi And the Eved goes free. Neged eno. Neged eno. Rashi says you hit it against the wall. 
You made, you hit against the wall, you made a noise, and you shocked the Evid. You tell, you made the Evid afraid by his, uh, by, by his eye. I guess, and the trauma causes him now to stop being able to see. <coughs> you made a loud noise by his ear, and the shock or the sound is what caused him now that he's deaf. So you shocked him into becoming blind, you shocked him into becoming deaf. That's considered indirect. That's grama. That's not directly. And therefore, in such a case, you would not, Evid would not go free. So, you're saying that we don't look at sound as a direct attack. You're saying it's only indirect. We don't, it's, and, and the laws of, of Nazikin and the laws of Mominus, we don't say, Lapkula means obviously he did something bad to the person, but it means it doesn't have legal responsibility. Lechora, Vahatani, we learned in a bride, the Rambay Cheskel, Rambay Cheskel taught in a bride. It says, Tarnagol, Shehoshid Roshel, Laavir, Klis Chuchis. You have a uh, rooster that put his head into, you have some fine uh, uh, crystal uh, decanter, and he went over to somebody's fine crystal decanter, and he gave a takia, and gave a, a good blow. Last, and they have a taka bova shivro and it smashed the glass. Mishalem Nezek Sholem. You are responsible for your rooster and you have to pay. You see that sound is direct. It's considered direct financial responsibility. If a horse neighed V'chamor shenar and a and a donkey that brayed V'shivro kalem and they broke uh, vessels doing so, but Socha buys in somebody else's house, Misham and Chatzinezek, it's Tzroros, and Tzroros, according to this opinion, based Chatzinezek, first opinion, how it was Nezek Shalom, but either way, you see that for sound, there is direct financial, so what's the difference in these cases, than in the case of the Evid, that if your sound caused the Evid to go blind, or caused the Evid to go deaf, why over there does it say that the Evid doesn't go free? So Amale, he says it's different when you're dealing with a human being. We had a similar story yesterday. But he's saying it's like this, that when you scare a human being, so then ultimately it's like he is causing it to himself. And a human being has choice, and therefore it's considered to be that I got him scared. Okay, well, it's not my fault that he gets, he's such a scaredy person. So therefore it's not considered direct. But when you're dealing with objects, Object is not a question. That's not something. So, sound by objects is considered direct. Sound by human beings is considered to be indirect. Obviously, it needs a lot more work. But that's the thing we're saying. So, Amalei Shani Adam, the cave in the Since he's a person that has the right of choice, the Bardasu ihu When he becomes traumatized, it's like he's causing the trauma. He's choosing to have the trauma. It's a very difficult concept. But it means he's like, what's that? So that's why there it's indirect. It's not considered to be direct. And that, that's the difference. So therefore, and we see an example that's going to sign you, Linton Abraham. If you scared your friend and it caused him to have some type of damage, Potter, Bidine Shamayim, now Bidine Adam. Now obviously this is only in terms of legally suing you in court. In Shamayim, you're not getting brownie points for this. Shamayim, you're considered to have done something wrong. Vichai Bidine Shamayim. Okay, so for example, Taka Ba'ozno, if you went behind him and you screamed in his ear, the Khershon, he became deaf, Potter. It's very interesting, I, it's difficult to understand, because that's not necessarily just trauma, that's the decibel uh, level of the... Ozno, but if you grabbed him and you didn't give him a choice, you grabbed him and you screamed directly into his ear, the Taka Ba'ozno, the Khershon, that's considered direct and that is Chayev. Again, I think for Ian you have to, you have to work on this. Alright, Zegmar Vaiter. Tan Rabon, he call al Eino Vekoso. You hit a guy on the eye and it blinded him. Al Shino, 
and and it blinded him, but it, 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 it kaza means it dimmed his eye, not completely. It means it like uh, it made it reduced his his, his vision. Al shino, you hit him on the tooth, venadada, and it loosened it. Im yachalish by hand. If they still functional, not at the capacity that they were, but the evid has still some level of uh, functionality with these limbs. So then, uh, so then, um, so then, im yachalish damish by hand. Im yachalish We can still use them. It doesn't go free. But im lav. But if he no longer can use them, so then evid yotzeh ben yadecheros. Tanya idach. We have another brisa that says a different case. Let's say his eye was already uh, diminished vision. And you blinded it completely. He had a loose tooth already. And you knocked it out. If there was some level of functionality originally... So then, Evid Yotzeh Bedacheres, then the Evid will go free. But Imla, but if they were no longer functional when they started, so then, Ain Evid Yotzeh Bedacheres. So the one that says like this, the Chorah, why do we need both examples? Basically, what we're saying is that as long as something's functional, we view it as the din of Shein Va'ayin. So why do we need both examples that are given? So what is a trick? You need to have both examples. Why? If you only had the first case, because over there you went from a healthy vision, from full vision, and now you've taken him down to diminished vision. So you might think in such a case, even if it's still functional... But Lamaisa, you went from Perfect. healthy vegetables, that maybe it would go free. No, Kamash Malan, that it has to, if as long as it's still functional, the Eva doesn't go free. But in the second case, you might have thought in the second case, even though it's true, you stopped him from being able to see at all, but you were starting off with Low function. low function anyway. So maybe that the ev doesn't go free. So therefore, it was diminished function to begin with. Maybe the ev wouldn't go free. That's why you need to have that the second brisa. Now why do you need this? If you have the second brisa, why do you need the first one? And if you only had the second cases, because at least, even though it was low function to begin with, but you ended up completely wiping out, the, there's no vision left at all. The tooth is not there at all. So therefore, but there where you did not completely knock out the eye or uh, completely knock out the tooth, right? So maybe there the evid would not go out. Therefore, you have to teach me in both cases. Let's say that he had a master who was a doctor. There's some kind of procedure. It's actually coloring the eye. But it's some kind of procedure that helps with the vision. So he asked his doctor. His doctor uh, uh, is a uh, eye, uh, some type of uh, eye surgeon. And he says, could you perform this... Uh, this, this, this LASIK. I want LASIK, right? Vesama. And in the surgery, there's like a, what, a 3%? Dude, this one guy, this guy never came out, he lost the eye. Alright? Lachtaloshino, he's a dentist. And he asked him to, uh, do a root canal. I'm not a root canal, root canal would be, but to, Rashi says to go around the edge, remove the plaque, a plaque removal, to, to, and what happened was, because of this process, so even though the intent, in both of these cases was to heal the Evid. He has laughed at his master and he can be Yotzeh Lecheres. He goes free. 
Rab Shimon Gamil disagrees. Rab Shimon Gamil says the pasuk says specifically Tchiyake Ishes Ein Abdo as Ein Amoso Veshichaso. He learns that Veshichaso and he destroys it is showing the intent that your only chai, the only time it ever goes free is if the master's intent was. To destroy, but not where he's trying to help the fellow. Now, what about the Chachamim? The Rabbanu disagree. They hold that this, these cases you would go free. That's that, that that even in these cases you would go free. So, what do they learn? How do they apply the din of a shichaso? Why is the Torah write the word shichaso? So, hi shichaso, my avdilei. How do they apply it? They use it for the following case. Very interesting case. The case was that the eved is an OB, the, the master is an OBGYN and he's helping deliver his Shifcha's baby. And in the act of delivering the Shifcha's baby, right, trying to pull out the baby with the forceps, you know, with it, and he blinded the Evid coming out. He blinded the baby. The baby, baby Evid coming out. So that's where the Shifcha's tells you that Evid wouldn't go free. Because there, not only wasn't the intent to destroy, but also you weren't focusing on the actual limb that got destroyed. According to them, that's where the evid wouldn't go out. Meaning, if you were actually working on the limb, the eye, the tooth, and it got destroyed, you go free. But where you weren't even trying to focus on the specific aver, the specific limb itself, so in such a case, that's what Veshichazah tells you, the ever would not go free. It has to be specifically Veshichazah, that you intended to do whatever you were doing, Good or bad to the Aver itself. Look at his sign that we learned in a Braissa. He put his hand into the womb of the maidservant, and he accidentally blinded the Uber, the fetus, when he's helping to try and deliver it. Potter, that Veshicha tells you that the Ever will not go free. My time, what's the reason? Because I'm a Krav, a Shechasa. You have to specifically have intent on that particular Ever, on that limb, on that uh, organ. That's where only then would the Ever go free. I've Idach, now according to of Shimon Gamliel, who used Veshechasah to teach me that the intent has to be to destroy. How would he know in that case also that the Eved, how would he know in that case the Eved does not go free? He learns it out Meshachas Shivchas. You have to understand why do you need another, if you all you have to have intent to specifically uh, destroy. destroy. Why would you need a positive? I hear. I hear. And then the Idach, and the other opinion, what does he, what, is, uh, what does he say? He says that, that I don't have an extra drosh. I don't have an extra drosh for that. So yeah, that's a good kasha. Why would you need to have, if you learn, you have to have kabana to destroy, so therefore why would I have to have... Right. Right. Stop a bit. But Anafka Mina, what, what, what would they both hold in a situation where this is an accidental? Marty, Marty, they, no, Marty said that they didn't take care of it completely. Exactly what happened. What would happen in an accidental? Like if somebody's swinging a bat and yeah. playing baseball. Yeah. That would be Anafka Mina also. Doctor, they're playing baseball and it's an accident and they're not the And the tooth. There's no uh, intent there. Be careful with your patient's eyes and tooth. Yeah. He, he doesn't own them. <laughs> <laughs>